The future of transportation in San Diego County is likely to look far different than it does today and may include commuter trains that move up to 100 miles per hour. The San Diego Association of Governments, SANDAG for short, plans to emphasize high-speed commuter rail over widening our existing freeways. SANDAG also proposes to institute congestion pricing on some stretches of freeway that will really get jammed up. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Gary Robbins, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Joshua Emerson Smith, you cover transportation here at the UT. You published a large story over the weekend on Sandag's working plans uh, for what's ahead. It struck me as another effort to get people out of their cars and into public transit. Is that basically what's going on here? Yeah, no, I mean, that's true. That That's what's going on. They're trying to get people out of their cars and into public transit, especially as the region grows and we add housing and more people. They want the, those people to ride rail or buses, you know, but primarily rail, instead of driving in their cars alone, which is bad for the environment. Well, is there a feeling that uh, we're not that far from a lot of our freeways having gridlock due to growth? Uh, Yeah, I mean, we already have a significant amount of gridlock on certain stretches of freeway uh, during the peak rush hours, and yeah, it could get significantly worse as the county continues to grow. Okay. A lot of people use sand, uh, excuse me, use um, San Diego's trolley lines, but Sandag's future uh, plans are more focused on high-speed commuter rail. Why, why is that? Yeah, that, that, that's a really good question. I mean, basically what Sandag has said is the future of rail transportation is not the trolley, which comes as a surprise to a lot of people because that's the only rail we have in San Diego other than the coaster or the sprinter. Okay. Well, I I got wondering about that as soon as I read it. Are the trains too slow? Yeah, that's what they're saying. The trolley only goes roughly 35 miles an hour. It's got lots of stops. So they want to do a commuter rail, which is basically expanding the coaster and sprinter system, right? right? And But have it go everywhere. Have it go all over the place, North County, East County, from the border to downtown. And those trains would go somewhere in the in the realm of a hundred miles an hour but that made me wonder where they could do that where there was enough space left oh yeah to uh, open up the throttle and go a hundred miles per hour it, it seems like it would only be short distances. right so a lot of this is going to be either elevated or underground like a subway type system so it's expensive but they said that you know there's going to be they don't want to plow through a lot of property now they're going to have to go through some property right like this won't be without some uh, disruption to the general pattern of, of growth out there, right? But a lot of this should be elevated or underground. Well, can they even go underground for significant um, areas? Because there's so much of the ground is now covered. You have to get rights of way. Can you even do that? Yeah, it's just really expensive. Okay. Um, is it... Um, much, much uh, cheaper to do it with elevated rail, like um, over by the university right now. You, you see that rail, go, the trolley line going up. Right. I mean, the at grade or at the street level is the cheapest, right? But then a lot of times you get into having to stop for street lights and you can really kind of slow down your rail system. Um, so elevating it can take care of not only issues of eminent domain in some cases, mm-hmm. but also... Uh, bypassing those potential hurdles of having to slow down for car traffic. Okay. Sandag is talking about using congestion pricing as an incentive to get people to use the trains instead of cars. How exactly would that work, and 
Where would they most likely be? What parts of the county were, would that go into effect? Right. So congestion pricing is probably the most um, forward thinking or the most uh, daring part of this whole proposal, really, which is saying a lot because building out this multi-billion dollar rail system is pretty daring in and of itself, right? But they're saying that they'd like to embrace something called congestion pricing, which means that you charge tolls on freeways, all lanes of all of the freeways for major routes like the 5, the 15, the 78, the 56, and then the toll that you'd have a fast track, right? And then the toll would fluctuate based on the traffic conditions at any given time. So rush hour, it'd be more expensive to drive on the highway. But would that price out a lot of low-income drivers? So that has been a concern um, in other places where they're talking about this. They're looking at a cordon off area in lower Manhattan right now where to get into this area, you'd have to pay a toll. And they've done that in London, Stockholm, Sweden, uh, Singapore, lots of other places, right? And the answer to that question of is this fair to the gardener right who's driving his truck around can't take public transit has to go from one house to another is that you would get income-based subsidies right so you could apply for your fast track and if you meet a certain income requirement you could get relief on that cost and that's what's been proposed in other places well has it been shown that it can work? Because I've been reading a lot of stories, uh, like in the New York press, about the congestion pricing in New York City. And it seems to be kind of rough going in some ways. So there's no congestion pricing in New York City yet, right? That's coming. They're developing it now. Um, there is congestion pricing outside of the United States, and it has been shown to be pretty effective. And actually, this is a really important point. All the experts I've talked to for years now, basically, not just for this story. I feel like I'm having the same conversation with these guys over and over again. Widening freeways does not permanently relieve traffic congestion. And putting down rail lines next to congestion, congestion impacted roads and highways does not give you better um, does not relieve traffic either. Don't we already have some congestion pricing? It doesn't Uber use congestion pricing? Um, I, I swear I've seen it on my bill before. They, on your fast track bill? No, no, no. Uh, the Uber, uh, ride sharing cars, don't they? Uh, aren't they allowed to use some congestion pricing? Right. That that's totally separate. That's totally separate. This is I'm on. I have my fast track. Right. I'm on the freeway, and it's charging me a toll to use any of the lanes of freeway that based on the traffic conditions. So we have something like this right now on the 15. If you want to use the HOV lane, you can buy into it. And that cost fluctuates based on the traffic conditions. But getting back to the other point, rail, neither rail nor expanding highways improves traffic conditions, according to all the experts I've talked to. What has been proven to work is this congestion pricing, because then people say, well, I'm not going to travel first thing in the morning. Or I talked to my boss and he said, yeah, you can come in a little bit later, leave a little bit later. So or, you know, maybe I was going to make a casual trip, but I'm not going to do it now because I know that the cost is high. I'm going to wait. And so it does seem to really per send a price signal to drivers that has the impact of lowering the number of cars on the road at any given time. Now, and you can take some of that revenue, some of that money, and then invest it 
in back into either the road system or the transit system. So you have that added benefit as well. Well, speaking of which, do do they have the money to do this? And where would they likely do it first if they were to go forward with it? Ah, two great questions. First answer is no, they do not have the money to do this. We need some major tax increases, probably upwards of a full cent. Remember, Transnet, our tax that we have, sales tax that we have now is a half cent that pays for these big projects. We'd probably need another full cent, if not more. And they might even need to uh, pair that with a general obligation bond. I mean, we're talking billions and billions of dollars. And the, um, the, the issue there is you need to get a two-thirds vote of the people. So do they? Do, does the population really have the appetite for this? Well, that's my last question. As you well know, the Midcoast Blue Line trolley extension that's underway and more than half done is way, way over its original uh, budget. Oh, yeah, it was going to cost a billion dollars, and it went to one two, then one five. Uh, it's two one, but yeah. as far as I know, it, it's on it's on track. It's actually surprisingly. Um, within well, its budget. Wait a minute. I've read stories about how they had to increase it over long periods of time. That was that was way back before they even started construction. Okay. But for years now, Money's it's been, money. yeah, it's been pegged at, at roughly $2 billion. Okay. So what's next for you on this story? Do you have something planned in the near future? Well, the, basically the question now is can Sandag get their board on uh, to buy into this vision? And you know that the Sandag board... Um, recently went through an overhaul with um, Assemblywoman Lorena Gonzalez's bill that now gives the larger cities in San Diego more say about what happens. And so if the city of Chula Vista and San Diego and a couple of other smaller cities get on board, they can essentially push this agenda through. But it still has to go to the voters. The voters are, you know, still you have to get that two thirds majority vote so they can put the plan in place, but they might not have the funding for it in September or October. So in the fall, Sandex is going to come back to its 21 member board of elected officials from around the county. Right. And they're going to say, we want to get this vision started. And so will you give us a certain amount of money? that's already allotted for highway projects and use it to get these transit projects started. And that has gotten a lot of, especially North and East County public officials uh, upset okay. that the money they thought was gonna go to these highway projects mm-hmm. might now go to these transit projects. And Sandex says, well, we don't really have enough money to finish those other highway projects anyway, there's only a, like a, a fraction of the money left, and that's for things that we've reported on for a long time now. Um, falling sales tax revenue because people are buying more stuff online. Right. Uh, construction costs are, are skyrocketing. And so we don't have as much money as we thought. So Sandex says, of the pie we have left, of the, of the money we have left, let us use that to lay the groundwork for this new vision and let's kind of put on the shelf, put on ice projects like widening State Route 78 or 52 or 56. Okay. Fascinating. It's going to be really interesting to see that, see, see that play out. Thank you, Joshua. We want to uh, transition to a secondary story about transportation before we leave you today. 
UC San Diego is experiencing explosive growth. It's added almost 11,000 students in the past decade. It'll probably add another 1,000 students this September. The growth is creating heavy congestion on some of the main pathways at UCSD. The university has been talking about ways of coping. One of the blue sky ideas involves using hovercraft, small hovercraft that could move, um, uh, say, four or five people at a time. The people is also, uh, the uh, uh, university has also kicked around the idea of using autonomous tricycles that would move people and packages. These are all in the talking stages, but the university says it must find better ways to move ever larger numbers of people at the university. Thank you for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. Check out some of our other podcasts as well. The Conversation features topical interviews with newsmakers, and Hot Lava is our podcast about all things Padres. We're on your smart speaker, too. Just say, launch the San Diego Union-Tribune for a quick morning dose of weather and news. Until next time, this is Gary Robbins. Gary Robbins.